You're getting, you're receiving a, a handout tonight. Uh, I'm going to try to draw it up here, but we don't have, you know, this is not big enough for you all to see, depending on where you're sitting. But uh, a number of years ago, Patsy Claremont uh, gave an illustration that really touched my heart, really spoke to me, and um, I remember it vividly and want to just share it with you tonight. Um, she talked about how we each have... Um, this place in our life. Pretend this house is symbolic of our life. And this is our window of life right here. And when I want to see you, when I want to interact with you, when I want to be in contact with you, I, I go to my window of life and from that place I look out and I observe and I interact. And I have conversation with you. And that's where I view life from, this window of life. And life is peachy keen, honky-dory, until one day somebody comes along and, and they have this rock in their hand. And that rock might come in the form of abuse. It might come in the form of neglect. It might come in the form of rejection, maybe an unkind, hateful word. It might come in the form of divorce. It might come in the form of abandonment. You name it, sickness. Uh, and, and they take that rock and they throw it at your window of life. Well, what happens when a rock hits a window? It shatters. So you, you have a picture right now in your hand without a shattered window, but I want you to, to just make a mark on your window and just shatter it. And, and so now when I go to view you, when I go to interact with you or with other people, when I go to view the world around me, I'm, I'm looking at them through that shattered window of abuse or that shattered window of addiction or that shattered window of unkind, hateful words. And, 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 and my view is distorted, is it not? Because I'm looking at it through brokenness. Are you with me? So that means when I have a conversation with Karen, it's not just a conversation with Karen. It's a conversation that's filtered through my shattered, broken window of life. When I view Karen to interact with her, I, I'm not viewing Karen in purity in the way God sees her. I'm viewing her and making judgments about her based on my brokenness and through my shattered window of life. Are you, are you with me? And so that means that, that anything Karen says to me <laughs> is filtered through my brokenness. All because somebody threw a window, a, 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 a boulder, a rock at my window of life and shattered it. Most of us live in this place right here. And we have a lover of our soul, a redeemer of all things, a healer, a rescuer a fixer, who wants to come and repair our window of life. The question is, 
will we allow him to do that? So many of you, you know, sometimes people will say to you, how did you arrive at that conclusion? That's not what I said. Or that's unfair. It's an unfair judgment you're making about me. And how did you get to that place where you would judge me like that? Or, or, or that's not at all what I said. How did you hear me say that? Because that's not at all what I said. And it's because we're viewing people and we're filtering conversations through our broken, shattered window of life. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight because I, I want to talk to you about distorted vision. I'm going to talk about a man who was blind and had an encounter with Jesus. We're continuing our encounter series tonight. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, but would you just pray with me first? Father, I just thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you are here among us, you are in us, you are with us. You're always with us. But we don't always have a sensitivity to your presence with us. Lord, I pray that tonight we'd have a sensitivity, that we would be able to sense your presence in us and with us. Lord, I'm powerless to say or do anything in my own strength. It is not by might and it's not by power. It's by your spirit. And Lord, I thank you for, the, for, for the, the, the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. And I pray that it would fall like fire and descend like rain and that you would bring revelation, that you would bring understanding, that you would bring insight and wisdom uh, to your word, Lord God, that even as I speak it, Lord, that there would be such revelation attached, Lord, that the, by the time it hits the ears of the hearers, Lord, that there would be supernatural understanding of your word, that you, the living word, would come and bring life to the word that's spoken in this place tonight. Lord, put your father finger, your Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer finger, on anything in our life that needs to be healed and repaired and make it whole again, Lord, I pray. I'm asking for a touch from heaven, not, not just for a select few. I'm asking, Lord, that you who um, are such a personal God would wing your heart, your word home in each of our hearts, Lord God, that you would give us an individual message for each person here tonight. Lord, a message that only you would know that they need. I pray that it would be like you've been reading their mail, Lord God, and that you would speak because, Lord, we are listening. Illuminate your word, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 9, John chapter 9, we're going to just begin in verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God, the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I love that. 
He went and washed and came back seeing. Verse 1 says, as he saw a blind man from birth. The he there is Jesus. He, Jesus has just had a, a confrontation with the Pharisees, and he's leaving. They were going to stone him, and he disappears in the crowd, and, and he's on his way out the city gate when he runs into this man. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody wanted to stone me and I just slipped away with my life, I, I don't think I would be looking for somebody to be, be helping I think I would be focusing on me, myself, and I. And I love that Jesus notices this man by the wayside. The Bible says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. I wonder how many people had passed by him before and didn't notice him. I love that Jesus saw him. Notice it says that Jesus saw him, not his disciples. It doesn't say that they saw him. I, I think that they were probably deep in conversation about what had just taken place. They were busy with their own life, their own concerns. I wonder if they even noticed him. I believe they saw Jesus looking at him and the compassion that was on Jesus' face, and it triggered their question. And they said to him, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Who sinned, this man or his parents? This man, he probably got up that morning and it was just another day. It was, it, nothing was going to change in his life. He probably got up and, and just went about his business, not expecting anything in his life to change. But one encounter with Jesus and everything changed. Can I just tell you that one encounter with Jesus will change everything in your life? It's that we don't wait on encounter. We don't expect encounter. We don't expect anything to change. The Bible says that Jesus noticed this man. He saw him. That word saw is interesting. It means to see and to ascertain what should be done about it. It means to notice someone. Can I tell you, he not only notices you, but he has, he's intimately acquainted with you. He knows all about your broken window of life. He knows all about the boulders that have been aimed at your life. He's intimately acquainted with you. And can I just tell you, he, not just see, he doesn't just see you. He doesn't just notice you. He's already ascertained what needs to be done about your life. He's already figured out how to, how to heal and mend your broken window of life. Maybe like this man, you have some issues too, and you know you have them, but you don't know how to fix them. Can I tell you that Jesus is intimately acquainted with you, and he already knows how to fix what's broken in your life. The Bible say, says that the disciples looked at this man, and they said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? That tells me that the disciples knew him. They knew that he was born blind. Don't miss that. He was born blind. It was all he had ever known. It was his normal. To him, his condition seemed irreversible. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight and your condition in your life, your messed up life seems irreversible. It seems like this is just my lot in life. This is just the, 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 the life I've been handed. I might as well just suck it up and get used to it because nothing is ever going to change. Can I tell you, Jesus is passing by and he's intimately acquainted with your life and he's already ascertained what needs to be done about it will you let him will you let him is the question this man was born blind 
he was born that way, but who knows, just because he was born that way doesn't mean he needs to stay that way. There's somebody, there's some people sitting here tonight, and, and you said, well, Rhea, this is just the way I was born. My family's been angry. This is just who we are. We're Italian. We're, oh, this is just how we act. I was born this way, or I was born with anxiety. It's been passed down through the generations. We're just a fearful family. This is the way we are. I was born this way. Maybe you say, this is how it's always been, Rhea. I've always been full of uh, insecurity and, and doubt. This is just the way we are in our family. We're addicted in our family. This is just something that this is just our, uh, this is just our weakness. It's just what we deal with. Can I tell you, just because you're born that way doesn't mean you need to stay that way. Jesus is passionate passing by and he wants to set you free and he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus was passing by that day and he saw this man who was born blind along the way. It strikes me that this man never asked Jesus to heal him. He didn't cry out to Jesus. I don't even think he tried to get Jesus' attention. In fact, Jesus saw this man, but I don't think this man ever saw Jesus. Jesus noticed him. As I said, the Bible says that he was born that way. He, he didn't do anything to deserve it. He didn't cause it to happen. And he certainly wasn't able to fix it. He had a strike against him before he took his first breath. Some of you could identify with this broken window. Hey, somebody came along and threw that, that, that boulder at your window. You didn't do anything to deserve it. Somebody did it to you. It's interesting to me that, that the, the, the message translation is, is it's really fascinating the, the way it's, it's worded in the message translation. I want to read it to you. It says, Jesus, they said, Jesus, who, who caused this? Was, was this man that this man was born blind. And Jesus answered saying, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. See, that's some of you. You're sitting here tonight and your window of life has been shattered and you want to point the finger and say, I'm this way because of this. This happened in my life and it's caused me to be the way I am. But I'm just telling you, you're asking the wrong question. You're pointing the finger, looking for someone to blame. Who's at fault? Who can I blame? Why me? Why did this happen to me? We point the finger and we want to assign fault even though it doesn't change anything about our situation. But that's what happens when, the, when our window of life gets shattered. We want to assign responsibility. And we need to stop blaming and start looking for what God can do in your situation. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong questions. This has happened so that the power of God could be made manifest in this man's life. Can I tell you, whatever has happened in your life, no matter what it was, I promise you that the power of God can be made manifest in your life if you'll just allow it. I'm struck by the scripture that says the sons of the... all." of creation waits for the sons of God to be made manifest. Do you know that all of creation is waiting for you to be everything God created you to be? Do you understand that? And all of hell waits to destroy all that God created you to be. But the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Do you believe that? 
do you believe that? We point the finger and we want to assign faults. And Jesus says, we're asking the wrong question. Stop asking why. Stop pointing the, the finger and assigning blame. And start focusing on who, who can bring healing and wholeness back into your life. His name is Jesus. Michael Card says, this man's blindness was not a punishment. It was a possibility. It was a possibility for the power of God to be made manifest in his life. We need to forget the blame, and we need to run to Jesus with our need. Who is responsible, we say, for me getting cheated out of life? Who is responsible for, for, for my vision getting distorted? Can I tell you, you are. You are. We want to point the finger at somebody else when ultimately the responsibility is on us. Nobody can make you behave the way you behave. You choose it. You give your personal power away. If somebody's hurt you, if somebody's wounded you, well, when you choose to get bitter, you're giving your personal power away. When you choose to hold on to unforgiveness, you choose to give your personal power away. You can be bitter or you can be better. Do you know what the difference is? I, me, the choice is mine. You can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but the choice is yours. You can't be both. Who has shattered your window of life and, and, and distorted your vision? The Bible says that he was born that way. The word born suggests a permanence. Uh, and, and I think sometimes we think that we are just stuck with, with the lot that we've been handed in life. We're stuck with that broken, shattered window of life. But Jesus is passing by and he wants to touch you. He wants to bring healing and wholeness back into your life. He, this man was limited because he was blind. What is limiting your life? What is distorting your vision so you can't see things clearly? Will you bring it to Jesus? It's interesting to me. I looked up that word blind today. And Lord, I just thank you for the power of God in this house. I thank you that no weapon formed against me or against this message can prosper. And I thank you, Lord, that you are going to rule and reign in this place in power, that you're going to take over my mouth, and I'm going to speak your word boldly and confidently and with great authority, and nothing can disrupt it in Jesus' name. I thank you for the power of your anointing that's going to fall afresh on me, and that I'm going to speak with boldness and confidence. And Lord, I thank you that your word is going to go forth in this place and it is going to prosper and no scheme of the enemy can interrupt it or halt it in Jesus name. Father I thank you I thank you, I thank you Lord so I looked up the word blind and the dictionary says of course it means unable to see unable to see but then it went on to say perhaps because of injury or disease or a congenital condition which is what this man's situation was but I, I really liked it. The Cambridge definition said to not be conscious of something or to refuse to notice something that's obvious to others. Oh, that one got me. Because I just want to tell you, <laughs> it, it's possible to be blind and not be able to see clearly because of this, because somebody threw a, a rock at your window of life. But there are people sitting here tonight, and myself included, that sometimes we're just unable to see clearly. That, that we don't want to see something. We're not even conscious of an area in our life that we're blind. We're blind to the fact that we're, we're, we're full of anger and bitterness and hatred. We're blind to the fact that we're insecure. We're blind to the fact that we're puffed up and prideful. We're blind to the fact that we're jealous and envious. We're blind to the fact that we just might be the problem. 
Can I tell you the power that my Jesus has over being blind? This man woke up that day, as I said, probably like it was just any other day, never dreaming that life could be different, begging for existence, just getting by. As a blind man, he would have had to resort to begging uh, uh, to, for, to earn his living. That's how he made his living. And some of you, you're in that place of, of begging. You just get your existence by pity party of one. And let me just tell you what a victim I am. Let me tell you how bad my life is. Let me just tell you how, how, how pitiful my life is. And that's how you get your attention. That's how your pity party of one. And you have your little cup begging, begging for attention. Jesus wants to touch you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to set you free. You do not have to stay stuck one more minute. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants to lead you in triumph in one encounter with Jesus, and everything will change. Everything will change. Verse 3 says that this thing happens so that the works of God may be made manifest in him, may be revealed in him. Can I just tell you, I don't know what has happened in your life. I don't know who shattered your window of life. I don't know what that rock that came at your window of life looked like. But can I tell you one thing, that whatever has happened in your life, God has allowed it for a purpose and a plan. He didn't cause it, he allowed it. And if he allowed it, I'm telling you, it's so that the works of God may be manifest in your life, that he can take what the enemy has meant for evil and turn it around and use it for good. But you, can't, you can stay stuck or you can walk in triumph. The choice is yours. But Jesus is in the house and he's passing by. I'm telling you, I get so um, fed up is not the word. But, but, but I'm concerned with, with the shape of the church that we, we excuse our, our brokenness, we excuse our sin, we excuse uh, staying stuck in, in, in life when all the while we have the power of God to be set free. It is because we lack encounter that we're not getting set free. Because when we sit in his presence and taste of his goodness, when we really understand how deeply we are loved by him, it doesn't matter what somebody did to our window of life. It doesn't matter what rocks have come at us in life. When you truly understand that the one who is able to restore and redeem and set free is waiting for you with arms outstretched, and one touch from him, one encounter from him will change everything. It's not just a book we read. It's not just a Sunday morning message. It is the very words of God that have the power to transform your life. The Bible says that Jesus took, took I just want you to think about this story. Here is this man born blind, <clears throat> probably stuck in self-pity, Stuck in just existing and getting by another day. And, and Jesus is coming through town and, and all he hears, the Bible says that Jesus took the dirt and he spat. He spat on the dirt. Now, my boys are good spitters. Like, they call them loogies. Are, are you familiar with that word loogie? Hakalugi? Like, like, I wish I could do it. My boys are the best. I wish I could bring one of them here tonight to do it. Like, they're, like they really work it up. 
And it's like a, it's like a contest. They'll get in the line and see who can hawk it the farthest and, and who has the biggest one. It's so gross. It is so gross. You boys, I don't know why you do this stuff, but, but they do, and they're good at it. And so, like, they do, like, big time. Can you imagine this man, blind? Jesus, we don't see any conversation. We, we, we now remember, he's blind, he's not deaf. And he's heard the disciples say, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? You just want to say, okay, big guys, he is blind, but he is not deaf. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, you know, nobody sinned. This has happened so that the works of God may be made manifest in him. And then he hears this. Now, you need to know that in, in Bible times, uh, blind men were looked down on. And, 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 and how people showed disgust and disrespect is they spat on them. We see several scriptures that talk about, you know, and they spat on my face and they spat on my back. And it, it was a sign of disgust and disrespect. And so blind men would have been regularly spat on in Bible times. And so when he heard Jesus... I'm sure he's waiting for that to come flying at his face. Remember, he can't see anything that's happening. All he can do is hear. So can you imagine what he's thinking? And then all of a sudden, Jesus spats on the ground and he makes this clay. Now remember, it's the Sabbath. I just love it. I love my Jesus. I love that he is ticking them off and he does not even care. He just about got stoned for, for, for doing something on the Sabbath. And now he leaves there and he spats on the ground and, and he makes clay, which is in their mind work. You see, the Jewish people, they had these, these rules. And the, one of the rules was if you had to spit and you were a man, you had to wait until there was a tree and it wouldn't make any mud. It wouldn't mix with the mud because that's making clay, making bricks, and that's work. And so Jesus is spitting on the ground, and he's in front of all the, you know, it's going to get back to the Pharisees. <laughs> he's working again. And I love that he doesn't care. I just love it. And he spits on the ground, and he makes this clay. And can you just imagine, like, have you ever smelled spit? I mean, like, I'm just trying to be gross, but I really want you to, I want you to think about it. If I licked my fingers right now and rubbed it on Cynthia, she's going to go home smelling my spit. I'm just going to be honest with you. She is. I love that he spit. And he makes this clay. And then he reaches up and he smears it on this man's eyes. Now, there are healing properties in spit. We know that. If you ever have had a surgery in your mouth or you've had surgery on your neck, guess which one heals faster? Your mouth will heal like that because there's healing properties in spit. And, and it's proven fact. But what else is in spit? DNA. I did a talk about a rock. <laughs> Many of you know that the way I was born, you know, he was born that way. <laughs> Couldn't help it. That was the way he was born. For me, I was born in an adulterous affair. My mother had had an adulterous affair. I was conceived in it, didn't know it, thought my, bio thought my father that raised me was my biological father. When I was 25 years old, I found out that he was not my father. 
that I was born in this affair, and you talk about a rock shattering a window of life. Mine got shattered pretty quickly. And I remember thinking, the world has a name for somebody like me, and it's not a nice one. And suddenly, I didn't know who I was anymore, and, and I kept saying, I didn't do anything to deserve this. This is, I can't help the way I was born. And I remember looking at my sister saying, Robin, I don't even know who I am anymore. And she's like, Rhea, I know who you are. You're a daughter of the king. That has never changed, Rhea. I have a note in the front of my Bible that says, God didn't purpose the sin, he purposed the person. Because I constantly have to remind myself that I have a purpose, that he purposed me. Even though I was born in an adulterous affair, that I have a purpose in my life. Can I tell you, I don't care what the circumstances are behind your birth. God purposed you. I don't care how special or not special somebody ever thought you were growing up. Can I tell you, there is a purpose in your life and God purposed you. You are not here as the result of a decision between a man and a wife. You are here because God said you should be. So, DNA. So after I found out about my mom's affair, and she passed away, and my dad passed away, I wanted to know my family. And so I did a DNA test, and I spit in this bottle and sent it in, and six weeks later, they sent me a whole list of my family members <laughs> because DNA does that. There's DNA in spit. And I love that Jesus spat in that dirt and then rubbed it in this man's broken eyes. And it repaired them. It fixed them. His DNA. And it's such a picture of identity. It's such a picture of, of, of a man blind. And, and this, this, the picture of blindness here is really about a spiritual blindness. It's about salvation. And, and you see, when you truly understand your identity, when you truly understand who you are in Christ, whoever aimed this rock at your, your window of life isn't going to matter anymore. They won't have power over you anymore. If you truly understand your identity and who you are in Christ, Christ. You're going to see clearly. You're going to see your life clearly. You're going to see every situation you go through clearly. You're going to understand that nobody has power in your life except Jesus when you truly understand who you are in him. So it was a picture of identity. Can you imagine what this man is thinking when he now hears that spit and then he feels that, that wet mud, that wet clay rub against his, his eyes? Can you imagine Cool points are important to people. I, the, I, the older I get, the less cool points really matter to me. I really don't care. Last week I lost major cool points, and, and it just doesn't matter to me anymore. But, you know, can you imagine? Talk about cool points. This man is now, his face is covered with mud. And Jesus says, now, remember, this is Jesus who has the power to just speak and, and bring healing. I wonder why he didn't speak. Or he has the power just to touch and bring healing. But for some reason, he, he, he took clay, dirt, and spit, and, and he, he covered his eyes. What is man made out of? Dirt. He, he needs a miracle. He needs new eyes. He needs to see clearly. And he, God is giving him a, or Jesus is recreating he, what's broken in his life. He's recreating and bringing life back into it. Can I tell you, he has the power of recreating. He can recreate new memories. He can recreate heartache, a new, a new heart. He can recreate a new mind. He can recreate. That's who he is. 
Nothing's impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. We were created in his image and in his likeness, and these rocks are aimed at destroying that image, destroying that likeness, destroying the way we see ourselves. And Jesus wants to recreate it. He wants to heal it and set you free. What do you think happened when that mud, that dirt, got in his eyes? His eyes were blind, but they could still feel. <laughs> it was an irritant, wasn't it? Some of that dirt probably got in there, and, and it became an irritant. And, and can you imagine? And now Jesus is saying it, was, it wasn't like, you know, he had the power to heal immediately, and he didn't do it. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I want you to see he doesn't say, and you'll see again. There's no promise of healing. There's no promise of a miracle. There's just the word of Jesus. Go wash. And now this irritant. Sometimes Jesus comes along and he gives me his word. It might look like forgive that person or be kind to that person or don't say what you really want to say to that person. And I think, hmm, that irritates me. Why do you always not allow me to do that? Or why do you always call me to that place? And, and it becomes that irritant in my life. That irritates me, Lord, that you won't let me say what I want to say. And I want to tell them a thing or two. I'm good at telling a thing or two. Can I tell you that? And then he gives me an irritant with his word. And I have a choice whether I'm going to obey or not. I have a choice whether I'm going to do what he said to do or not. But I'm going to tell you what, if this man hadn't gone and washed in the pool of Siloam, what would have happened? He would have missed his miracle. He would have missed his healing, right? And when God comes along and he gives me that irritant and he says, Rhea, I'm giving you this command and I have a choice whether I want to do it or not. When I do it, healing comes. Life comes again for me. And so he says to, to this man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, now, you don't know where all this is taking place, but we do because we've been to the Holy Land. And I can tell you where this man is standing and where the pool of Siloam is is not close. It wasn't like it was right three steps down. It was a hike. And remember, this is during the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what's taking place at this time. And so the streets would have been busy. It would have been flooded with people. And, and, and it would have been hard. Remember, he's blind. He can't see. And now he has to maneuver from that place with Jesus to the Pool of Siloam with this mud smeared all over his face, smelling the saliva of Jesus. I know he's Jesus, but I'm sure his saliva still smelled. And, and he has to get to the pool of Siloam and, wa and wash, and he doesn't even know why. Because he's not been told you're going to see again. And so he gets there, and can you imagine? Now, I know I'm reading between the lines, but can you imagine getting to that pool of Siloam where, by the way, the priest would have been, and so Jesus knew what he was doing and sending him there. But can you imagine him finding the water because he's blind, I'm going to keep telling you that, finding the water, <laughs> splashing his face to get that mud, 
And commentators say, did he splash his face? Because Jesus said wash. And so did he just get his whole body in the pool of Siloam? Probably. But can you imagine splashing? Born blind. He is never seen before. Can you imagine seeing the sunshine? Can you imagine seeing the crystal water? Can you imagine seeing what people really look like for the first time in your life? Can you imagine seeing when you've never seen before? Can you imagine that scene, even for a moment? The excitement in this man's life. I have to keep asking myself as I was studying this, would I have gone? Would have I lost cool points with no promise of healing? Would I have obeyed? I don't know. I don't know. But this man went. I want you to notice that there, we don't know his name. There's no name given. And any place that happens in the word of God, it's always what it says to me is that I can put my name in there. And so I just want you to do that tonight. I want to ask you, are, are you here tonight and are you blinded? Are you unable to see clearly? Is it like I said, everything that you uh, see and experience and every conversation you have, is it filtered through that shattered window of your life and you're just not able to see clearly? Or are you blind like Cambridge definition of blind? Are, are you just, are you, you just refuse to see? <laughs> you don't want to see. You're unable to see. But you know your life is messed up. Every one of us, I would say, sitting here tonight has something in our life that we are blinded to, that we're blinded by, that we're not able to see clearly. But I want to tell you the whole point of this series is to talk about encounter and what Jesus is able to do. Don, can you, can you Google a song for me? Um, I think Kim Walker Smith, and it's called Just Be. Um, can you Google that and see if you can pull that up on YouTube for us? Um, I am marveling as I studied this today that Jesus didn't have to stop. He didn't have to take care of this man. I wonder how many people had already passed by him that didn't even notice him. And I just marvel that as occupied as Jesus, preoccupied as Jesus must have been in his mind, that he stopped for this man. Can I just tell you, he is never too busy. He is never too preoccupied running the universe to notice you. He sees you. And I know that in a room this size, there are things you brought in here tonight, pains, things that, that, that have shattered your window of life that, that you've never dealt with, that you've never faced, you've never even taken to Jesus. And can I tell you, he notices you tonight. And he wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. And you say, well, Rhea, is that really possible? Does he really still do that? Yes. Yes, he does. I, I, I was talking to somebody today uh, just how how blind we can be to things in our life and, and how it shows it's so clear to everybody else. Bitterness, for example. Bitterness I can pick out in a crowd, and it's so ugly. Can I tell you, if you're here tonight and you're blind to your bitterness, I just want to say this as gently as possible. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows you're bitter. It shows all over your face. You're not hiding it. 
please let Jesus heal it. If you're here tonight and you are angry, everybody knows it. You're not hiding it. Please let Jesus heal it. If you're here tonight and you are filled with fear and anxiety, you don't have to stay in that place one more minute. Jesus wants to heal it. Staying blind to it isn't helping you. He wants to heal you. He's able to heal you. I told you last week that I'm, I'm reading this, uh, this book I've read numerous times uh, by Brother Lawrence called Practicing the Presence because I, I, so, I so want to uh, understand encounter at a greater level. Because I believe that's the secret to healing. I believe it's getting into his presence. It's submitting to his presence and just, just sitting and basking in his presence and, and just letting his love wash over you. I believe that brings you into a place of great healing, of great, great freedom, of great safety. But we don't ever tarry to get there. Jesus says to his disciples, could you not tarry one hour could you not just sit with me one hour? We're so quick to run to a friend. We're so quick to run to a spouse. We're so quick to run to a pastor. And we don't know how to tarry. We don't know how to sit in his presence and bask in his presence and wait for a touch from heaven. But he wants to touch us. This song, Don, did you find it? Yes, that's the one I want. Um, I just want, I want you to sit under this song for a moment. I've been listening to it this week, and, and I asked Connor if he knew it, and he didn't, but I thought, I'm just going to play it for you. But I want you to sit, because she talks about just be. That, that, that's all he wants you to just be, just sit in his presence, and just let his love wash over you, because I promise you, there is nothing too difficult for him. He is still in the business of healing blind eyes. He's still in the business of, of, of performing miracles. He's still in the business of setting people free. What has shattered your window of life? What's distorted your vision? Will you let him have it tonight? And it's in your presence that we are made complete. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we continue this encounter series, Lord, that this truly would become a place of great encounter. Lord, that, that week after week we would encounter your presence in new and powerful ways, Lord. That you would set captives free, that you would release prisoners from darkness, that you would bind up broken hearts, Lord God, that you would lift off a spirit of heaviness and give a garment of praise, Lord God, that you would do new thing in people's lives. And Father, I ask specifically tonight for those who are sitting here with distorted vision because of, of things that have come aimed at their, at their window of life, Father, things that have shattered their window of life heartache and pain and disappointment, abuse, neglect, abandonment, just hurts, Lord God, unkind words. Father, I'm asking tonight, I believe that you're real. I believe that you're supernatural. I believe that you're all-powerful. And Father, I believe that you can take memories and make them powerless ghosts. That's what your scripture says. I believe that you can heal broken hearts. I believe that you can, you can take words that have been spoken in, 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 in um, 
careless, unkind words that have been spoken in haste, Lord God, and you can bring healing and wholeness into those areas. And Father, I pray that even right now in these moments, Lord, that you, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, that you would bring your healing balm, Lord God, that you would bring healing into those areas, Father. Open our eyes so that we can see clearly, Lord. Father, I pray for, for, for the brokenness that causes conversations and, and, and judgments to be filtered through that brokenness. Lord God, I pray for healing. For healing, Father. That those words would not have power. That that abuse would not have power. That that neglect and abandonment would not have power in people's lives. Lord God, that you, Jehovah Rapha, would, would give them an encounter with you tonight that would radically change it. Lord, I believe it's in your presence that we are made whole. I pray that you would teach us, Lord, that you would teach us to turn our soul's affections to you, Lord God, to direct our cares and our worries and our concerns back to you, Lord God, that we would not let it rob us of peace, that it would not let us rob us of well-being, that it would not let us rob us of joy, Lord God, that we would cast those things to you, that we would turn our attention and our affection back to you, Lord God, that we would cast those cares onto you, and in that place, Lord God, in that place, find a place of encounter with the one who truly is able to set us free. Lord, we look to all other sources. We look to counselors. We look to, to friends. We look to spouses. We look to relationship, Lord. We look to, to status. We look to, to the self-made erected walls that we put up to keep ourselves safe. Lord God, we look to those things for freedom, for safety, for refuge. And Lord, you are our only safe place. You are our refuge, our very present help in times of trouble. You are the one who promises healing. You are the one who promises to be more than enough for us, to take what the enemy has meant for evil and turn it around and use it for good. And so I'm asking you to do that in this place tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for a reminder that I, that spit was a reminder of DNA, of identity, of who we are in you. Lord, remind us tonight of who we are in you, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are pleased with us, that you love us with an unfailing, everlasting love, that there is nothing we can do to separate ourselves from that love. that we are accepted in the beloved and dearly loved by you, that we are chosen and not rejected. Father, in these moments, I pray that you would do what you do best, that you would meet us in this place, that you would fix what's broken, that you would mend and set free and redeem, Lord God. We love you. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name.